Welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We are excited to be live on this Sunday. We don't usually go live in the middle of uh, NFL action, but we felt bad about not getting you an episode last week. It was a crazy week for both of us, so here we are live on rankings and bowl bowl selection Sunday. It's the selection Sunday of college football. Um, if you will, I am joined here as always by my co-host Jack Wallace. Jack, your initial reactions. I feel like it, it, for all the controversy that we had this season, uh, which is all the rankings are really meant to do, it ended up being pretty cut and dry who the final four were going to be. I don't really think there was a lot of argument for what these four teams were. And I think we could have had a lot of argument. I know that there was a lot of wiggle room that could have happened, but we're not in the business of what could have happened. We're in the business of what is going on. And um, even though that's not really true at all, we always talk about speculation, but at least at the end of the day, this is what the rankings are. They are unmovable. This is what we're going to get. And I'm actually going to pull it up just for context so we can go ahead and see it. But right here, we have the college football playoff rankings here in full. And with these rankings, you have Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Georgia 3, Cincy 4. And I think this is about perfect. Now, I had a lot of people argue with me about, oh, well, what about how, why in the world the Cincinnati's are before Michigan 2, and why is the other way around? And I was like, at the end of the day, There is no reason for Alabama and Georgia to play again in the next game. There is no reason for that to happen. We already know which team is better. We know which team is going to be in that spot. Let them try to beat someone else and see if it happens again. I know it may be for TV reasons. And they said, they said, oh, it's not for TV. That's, that's totally a lie. They definitely did this for, for TV reasons, but I I don't I don't see any reason for Alabama and Georgia to play again in the in the first round of the playoffs. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I wouldn't want that. Here's my argument. I think Alabama fully earned that number one ranking into jump Michigan. And we all knew it was they coming. Should. Well, they beat Georgia badly. They should be number one. Because look, Ohio State, yes, they were number two. Uh when Michigan beat them and beat them in a similar fashion. I mean, it was, it, those are two comparable opponents, but here's the kicker is that Georgia was undefeated. It was in the conference championship. And I'm not trying to argue recency bias here, but Alabama beat the team that had been number one in every single ranking. Ohio state had worked their way up worked their way back from that loss to Oregon, right? Georgia has been number one in every single ranking so far. So that is Georgia. When has Georgia slipped up this season besides Alabama? No, not at all. It has that's your answer. And that's your answer. Yes. And there is an argument to be made. Um, I, I personally won't have it because yes, they did not play the toughest schedule on earth. They They also had by far the best point differential in football. And Alabama almost slipped up against some similar opponents. Yeah. You can look at at Auburn. Look at Auburn. Exactly. Exactly. My point exactly. So – Look at Tennessee. You want to argue that Georgia was overrated all along? Maybe in the historically great defense context, yes. They might have been a little bit overrated – and that might that specifically 
may have been um, an opinion based on playing not great competition. I, I do agree with that point. I think saying that their historically dominant defense is starting to get a little put to bed because they've only really played one really solid offense and they failed. And well, I get you can say Tennessee. I, I get Tennessee and Arkansas had good seasons too, but I no no uh, I'm but I'm, I'm not going to compare Heisman. Yeah, I, I'm not going to. I'm compare agreeing Heisman with you here. Yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, most of it came in the second quarter. That's true. The but three hundred yards and the big plays. The big the difference plays in that ball game was the three hundred yards of offense, and I think that goes to a coaching discrepancy. Honestly, honestly, this is just a guess. Uh, I have no, you know, factual reporting here whatsoever. But the fact that in that second quarter, Alabama was able to come out and be so explosive um, against this Georgia defense, which had been heralded as maybe one of the top five or so best of all time uh, throughout the year. Um, And they had earned that through playing great defense. But when it came to the test, Nick Saban and the Alabama off. I mean, Nick Saban doesn't coach the Alabama offense, but you know what I mean. His co- that coaching staff basically and that offense made the right adjustments at the right time. Because really, in the second half, a lot of those points were garbage time points, or they were very hard to come by. They had to come by them off of explosive plays. They were not really able to move the ball effectively on Georgia in the second half, but. It was the second quarter that was the difference in that game. Well, before um, we before we get too much into that, I wanted to run down the rest of what the New Year's Six Bowls are going to look like just to sort of set the slate for you. And um, I actually have a, a nifty little graphic um, that I found on Twitter for this that I think will be swell to pull up. Um, but it is right here. So... This graphic right here, we got your New Year's Six Bowl games. The Peach Bowl, Michigan State against Pitt, Cotton Bowl, Alabama, Cincinnati in their opening round of the playoffs. So, Cincinnati, congratulations, you finally did it. Uh, Orange Bowl, Michigan against Georgia. Uh, Then you have the Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. The Rose Bowl, Ohio State up against Utah. And then the Sugar Bowl, Baylor against Ole Miss. So, quite the slate coming up. We have – Michigan State, third place in the Big Ten. Pitt is ACC champs. Uh, Alabama, obviously, SEC champions against American Conference champions Cincinnati. Big Ten champ, Michigan against uh, SEC runner-up Georgia. Notre Dame, independent, whatever, against Oklahoma State, Big 12 runner-up, which is an interesting pairing. Uh, Ohio State, Big Ten, second-place team against Utah, Pac-12 champion. And then Sugar Bowl, Baylor, Big 12 champs up against Ole Miss which is your SEC, I guess, then third-place team here. Um, so what are your thoughts on at least these teams here? If you talk about Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, Georgia as being locked in, that's not much of a debate. But then when you look here, what are your thoughts more on these matchups if you look at the rest of them and where these teams are? Because it's 5 through 12, the rest of those ranked teams have it. So everyone 13 and below in the rankings – did not get to a New Year's Six Bowl, which actually wasn't the case last year. There were some numbers and rankings mixed around because you had, you know, Oregon, Iowa State. There were some weird ones. So this year it is just straight up the top 12 teams in the country all got the New Year's Six Bowl. So on that level, I think it's fair. But do you think these are still the top 12 teams in the country and right matchups? Give me what your thoughts are here. Um, I think Oklahoma State 
is is probably the buffer here. That's probably the one that is gonna get a little bit less love uh, th than a lot of other teams would. Um, specifically, I'm talking about. I mean, there was a case to be made for BYU. They weren't gonna put Oklahoma in this, obviously, after Lincoln Riley's left. Um, but but I think there were there are some arguments to be made about uh, Oklahoma State as a really quite especially after the disrespect the way that the committee all year has viewed the big 12 and disrespected the big 12 is really only and and for good reason the big 12 was down this year um but but for the way that the committee so far had ranked the big 12 um i i thought i was going to see a little bit further drop from Oklahoma state, quite honestly, but they did make that game competitive. Uh, and, and they were w inches from this being more of a conversation of Oklahoma state versus Cincinnati, which however, do you, do you believe that? that do you believe the Baylor's a top seven team? Not really, but they're the big 12 champion. They won They're the big, big 12. 12. They are big 12 champions, but to me, they, they won the big 12. They beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I, I don't know what else. 2021? They're not – I don't think they're one of the ten best teams in the country, but I think – think. Do you think head-to-head, -head, Ole Miss, Oklahoma – like Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, we'll move that. Say Ole Miss, Michigan State, Utah, Pittsburgh, those four teams. If Baylor goes up against those four teams, I don't, I don't even know if they win three of those games. I don't think they do. I think Pittsburgh. I think they could beat Pittsburgh. I honestly I think, they think could. They Pittsburgh. I, I think they could, but I wouldn't. They're they're would, in my opinion. In my opinion, they have the coaching advantage. They have a little bit of a talent advantage in that. They definitely don't have the quarterback advantage. But this isn't Alabama, Georgia. <laughs> you know, we're talking about Baylor. And no, I know, I know, I know. And I get we're talking hypothetical, but it's it's just interesting to me to see a team that high when I'm sort of like, uh, I mean, I guess the Ole Miss game is an interesting matchup. I'm excited to see an offense that good go up against Baylor with a solid yeah. defense. So I, I, it is an interesting matchup. I'm happy we're. I, I guess looking, I guess looking at it more, I I think Penn, I think Michigan State. I I kind of ignored them when I read through it the first time. Michigan <laughs> State's probably the spottiest uh, spottiest selection in this entire. I, mean, I think there's a really good argument to be made that BYU should be in this, quite honestly. I think that's a good argument, too, because obviously Michigan State should be here over Iowa. I don't think that's really an argument. But And then Oregon played themselves out. I mean, we, we'll get to the Pac-12 championship later, but, like, wow, they played themselves out. So it's, Oregon does not deserve a spot either. But, yeah, again, I can see BYU being frustrated here, but it's also BYU meaning being an independent team that's not named Notre Dame. You're just not going to get any respect. Even though Notre Dame's schedule was not good, they played one truly good team and lost by a lot at home. So that was the point yeah. I kept making about Notre Dame is I, I never really understood why they're so high because I was like, what have they accomplished? I mean, they barely beat Toledo. They barely beat Florida State. I get there early in the season, but those two teams ended up doing nothing at all this season. I mean, Florida State failed to make a bowl game, and Toledo couldn't even make the MAC championship. So I'm like, I, I don't. I don't really get where the Notre Dame hype comes yeah, from. Yeah, and, and down I mean, bad teams. I mean, looking looking at this list, BYU is the only one that you could legitimately make a complaint about. The top twelve teams are the ones that made the college football playoffs. Uh, I think BYU would give 
Purdue. In, in fact, they did beat. They did give some one of these teams a game. They gave Baylor a game. And they and in fact, they beat Baylor. But you're forgetting they're not the big money, big markets anything. So you're not going to get anywhere with that, which is unfortunate. But we can now move on to look at the games we have here. And the top games, we're going to come in first, and we're going to talk about the Pac-12 championship game where, wow, Oregon, you blew it. Oregon had a chance against Utah a few weeks ago, and they lost by a lot. They had a second chance against Utah, and they lost by a lot. Utah wins 38-10. to 10. Utah outscored the Ducks 76-17 to 17 in two games. First ever Pac-12 championship for Utah. We actually had a lot of teams get their first ever championship um, this weekend, but Utah was one of them. And how good are the Ducks is the question. How good are the Ducks? Is it really – or sorry, sorry, sorry. How good are the Utes? How good are the Utes here? Are they really that great of a team? Well, we're about to see, uh, aren't we? <laughs> playing Ohio State. Playing Ohio State. We're about you're to playing see. a furious Ohio State team, too. A furious Ohio State team that, I mean, did deservingly lose, but lost by a hair, and then you're all of a sudden your season's essentially over. And, I mean, yeah, you're still playing to your six, but you're playing a really angry uh, um, Ohio State team versus a really hyped-up Utah team. So I'm excited for it. But, yeah, Utah, I – you got to give them a lot of credit after this one. This was a really impressive win. I mean, a guy who wasn't on my radar really until last week, I, I listened to a, uh, a mock draft that they did on The Athletic. I think it was Dane Brugler. Um, Devin Lloyd, this kid, the linebacker from Utah, he is every bit of a first-round pick. He is every bit of an NFL off ball inside linebacker uh, and he can do everything uh, defensively. He, he's a real Swiss army knife. I, I know that's a little bit of a cliche term nowadays, but he, but he does everything for that defense, um, including a interception uh, in the last game. And, and can and, we talk and, about it like, um, Oh, go and, ahead. Sorry. You want to talk about it in the context of Oregon how they never got out of the Anthony Brown hole. This is a little bit Kirby smart app, right? I was going to mention Anthony, Anthony Brown. Was Brown me, he was giving me Spencer Sanders impression. He had, he had one good game all year. It was against Ohio state. And that day, Ohio state couldn't stop anybody. That was back before Ohio state learned how to stop anyone. They were still getting that defense together, which is something that we've seen out of Ohio state in past years. You know, it takes them, a few weeks and I think we can really reliably say this under Ryan Day it really takes them a few weeks uh really through mid-season probably to get their defense in line um I don't think Oregon's a better team than Ohio State I think it was a great win uh at the time but we saw throughout the year who Oregon really was and that was a very talented team without a real quarterback well, then we see what happens now, which which team's in a New Year's Six Bowl and which team isn't. I mean. Right. I mean, Cameron Rising's not that much better. It's not like either of these teams are like Mike Leach, Air Raid, Graham Harrell, 2009. But, like, you got to get better than 
13 completions for 147 out of your starter and two interceptions. It's it's not like either of these teams are that great. We're about to find out how good Utah is. But yeah, it's been a quarterback issue for Oregon, and it's not going to get any better until they start bringing some of these Justin Herbert type kids in. That's why Oregon was so good when Justin Herbert was there because Justin Herbert was really, really good. Yeah. Playing the Pac-12 like that with a great quarterback obviously gets you far. Uh, Next up, we can go into what is probably going to be our rant portion of the day because uh, I know I got this through text, but sadly not on air. But, hey, that's what this is for. And it's the SEC championship game, one of the most exciting and look forward to games of the season. It was Georgia-Alabama meet once again. And for the fourth time in a row, Kirby Smart cannot beat Nick Saban. It is in his blood. He can't do it. He's incapable of doing it. And it it wasn't good. 41-24 is your final score. Georgia absolutely gets bodied in this game. Um, yeah, the Georgia historic defense, we can say goodbye to that. Uh, Georgia allowed fewer points in their last five games combined. Young threw for 421 yards and three scores. Williams got 184 yards and two touchdowns, receiving 536 total yards for the Tide. And Georgia led 10 to nothing early, and then Bama went on a 41-14 run. Simply ridiculous. Alabama shows up big in big games, which they tend to do, and they're back here again. And, yes, the loss for Georgia isn't a huge deal because you still make the playoffs, so, I mean, it could be worse. But you're obviously – you don't get to play Cincinnati first round. You get to play Michigan, and that's obviously a much harder test. So, yeah, for the dogs, this is pretty bad. Um, Saban continues to own Kirby Smart and does whatever he wants in these games. Congratulations, Alabama. You are once again SEC champions. But – Noah, give me your thoughts on the reason why Georgia absolutely got shellacked in this game. No, look, I've, I've had a little bit of time to, you know, calm down, uh, develop a reasonable opinion. You don't, need to, you don't need to be reasonable or calm on this podcast. And my reasonable <laughs> you <know that>. opinion <laughs> is that there was a glaring discrepancy between these two teams. We're very similarly talented. They recruit mostly the same players. Um, these players at one point had the opportunity to choose because they are the best talent available between Georgia and Alabama. Um, they chose their respective sides. Um, one player in particular, uh, and it, there were, it came down to two guys in particular came down to, um, this, uh, young guy, you know, who has ever heard of young people succeeding in college football? Certainly not Kirby Smart. Young guy uh, who, who was surrounded by uh, similarly talented offense and put up uh, 421 yards mm-hmm. on 9.6 yards per attempt. Uh, his adjusted yards per attempt were a first down every time he threw the football. He threw for three touchdowns. And on the other side, you have Stetson Bennett, (laughs) the fourth, a walk-on and future tax attorney in Athens, Georgia. Future tax attorney. (laughs) Who threw for 340 yards, but his adjusted yards per attempt, four yards lower than Bryce Young. And not, not to mention... 
throwing a pick six at the most crucial junction in the entire game. Down two touchdowns. Your defense just got to stop. You've got to respond. You got to keep this game within shouting distance. You got to give your defense a chance. Um, and, and then what do you do? <laughs> not even give your defense a chance. You just let them score before you can even give the ball back. Um, Kirby Smart, obviously. Um, I don't want to say he's an idiot. Um, but when it comes to quarterbacks, what? he might be an idiot. Remember when they had Justin now, Fields just sitting this is the now Justin Fields walked in the door. <laughs> he saw he took one look at Justin Fields and then oh. saw Jake Brown Jake uh not Jake Browning, Jake Fromm. Uh, throwing for three <laughs> yards on every play and just managing the absolute hell out of that game. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he, he said, I can't believe Jake. No, thanks. I'm good. You can go get nominated for a Heisman uh, at Ohio state. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll stick with our guy, Jake from throwing for 201 touchdown uh, behind our O line. Um there's not much to say about this game other than the fact that I think if JT Daniels would have entered the ball game, uh, Georgia may have had a little bit more of a chance because Alabama was really, really uh, content to just let them throw the ball, you know, 10, 15 yards intermediate to short game, uh, throw the ball out to their running backs, throw to the tight end, uh, but the Georgia receivers were not really able to get that much separation. And when you are not able to get that much separation, you need a guy like Bryce young, who's going to win the Heisman this year. You don't need a guy like Stetson Bennett, um, who is not the guy that's going to fire it into tight windows. Uh, when the windows get tighter, when the talent gets better um, and Alabama was the more tested team this year, no doubt. No doubt they were the more tested team. Uh, they knew how to win big, close games, whereas Georgia blew everyone out because they were playing inferior competition for the most part, um, not taking away, again, from anything that Georgia did in the regular season. But yeah, you've got to have the guy who can fire it into a tight window on third down between two defenders where only your guy can get it. Stetson Bennett is not that guy. Bryce Young, despite what the completion percentage might tell you from this game, they had a very similar completion percentage, but if you watched both of them play, they had very different ball games. Um, and that was the difference was the quality of quarterbacking, uh, which Georgia hadn't seen anything like it all year. I mean, Hendon Hooker's a good quarterback. He is not Bryce Young. He's not the Heisman winner. Um, I would have loved to see Georgia Ole Miss this year. I really would have loved to see how that would have played out. That that would have been very interesting. I think Ole Miss would have given them a run for their money as far as their defense is concerned. I, I don't think they would have won, but they would have they would have no, scored they would have scored been, at least twenty points on them. It would have been this type of points. game. It would have been a game yeah. where Ole Miss was able to move the ball, albeit not efficiently. But they could, they could do something. Yeah, with it. It, George, that was that was what the game came down to. 
Alabama was able to move the ball with high efficiency and get explosive plays out of it. Georgia was not able to move the ball with any sort of consistent efficiency and was not able to get points out of it. Uh, And if you want to boil it down to one sort of statement, I think that's it. Well, next up, we can move on to the Big Ten Championship, and this one will not take very long to get through, to be honest with you, because this game was – it was something. Uh, I feel like every other year the Big Ten Championship is just a slaughter. Um, I don't know why, but it feels like it's rare when these games are actually very entertaining. Uh, And that case was not true this weekend because we thought Iowa was going to lose this game. We both had Michigan pretty cleanly. And it turns out, turns out that was uh, true. The final score was 42 to three. It's the reason why I'm laughing here because it's, it's embarrassing to show up and lose 42 to three, especially when you're a 10 and two team, you know, I was not obviously terrible. They're 10 and two, but they played like they were terrible. I mean, I, I don't mean if you want to talk about a beatdown. Northern Illinois scored 10 points on Michigan. Western Michigan scored 14 points on Michigan. Washington scored 10 points on Michigan. Rutgers scored 13 points on Michigan. These are all teams that are not that great. I mean, I know Northern Illinois won the MAC. We'll get to that later. Um, and Western Michigan wasn't terrible, but Washington was terrible. Rutgers wasn't any good. I mean, Nebraska won, lost this game by three points. They scored 29 points on the Wolverines. So you're saying as, as, as Iowa – you can't even score as many points as Northwestern did. Northwestern put up seven, and this is one of the worst seasons in a while for Northwestern after actually a really good one last year. So this was a bizarre game. Again, we knew that Iowa was not very good. We thought they were not going to win this game, but this was an unbelievably impressive effort by this Michigan defense and even the Michigan offense too. They had three different players score rushing touchdowns. Both the passing touchdowns were scored by different quarterbacks. I mean, there was every weapon you could think of. They're kind of a jack-of-all-trades like I know Swiss Army knife, I know we're using a million cliches, but that's just that's how this team works. It's a million different guys that are all putting in their thing. It's hard to find one specific extremely big star. Um, Haskins and Corum both kind of shaking off uh, their own. I mean, Corum was the leading running back with 74 yards. He only touched the ball five times on the ground, five for 74 and a touchdown. I mean, it's a very big rotation in how they do this. Petras was absolutely god awful for Iowa, nine for 22, 137 yards, no touchdown. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have a ton to say other than that about this. It just was pretty clear. Michigan's first Big Ten title since 2004, uh, really impressive win. And uh, kind of hilariously, Iowa ends up not going to a New Year's Six Bowl, which was expected, but still kind of funny. <laughs> I, I, so, for some reason, I watched the first half of Wake Pitt. And then I really tuned into the second half of Michigan, Iowa, which was just an absolute beatdown. But we were talking about, you know, the quarterbacks that can move the ball down the field, right? Really push the ball efficiently uh, down the field. Um, Spencer Petrus was not able to do that Mm-mm. for Iowa. Uh, and he got benched because of it, because Kirk Ferentz was like, I, we got to do something else here. So they put in this kid, Alex Padilla, and what does he do but go for negative uh, 0.5 adjusted yards per attempt? I don't think I saw a pass <sighs> oh. attempted beyond the line of scrimmage, Jack. I don't know how much you watched of that second half, but it was – I didn't watch much. It was, it was run for two yards, run for two yards, swing pass, or like little slant. It was the least explosive offense I have ever seen. 
Well, actually, um, if you want if you want to look at this, this is the the second half. Um, these are Iowa's drives in the second half. Six plays, sixteen yards, minute thirty three, punt. Fourteen plays, sixty yards, seven thirteen, seven minutes <laughs> to go sixty yards for turnover on downs. They got all the way to the Michigan eight and they failed. Um, but and actually, then it was twenty one to three. So a touchdown there would have made it actually somewhat interesting. Um, punt four plays, thirteen yards, minute thirteen. Punt three plays, five yards, minute fifty seven. Interception three plays, six yards, one oh three. And then their final drive of the game was four plays, twenty eight yards, and one. They're 25. So after that turnover on downs at the Michigan eight yard line, which mind you, that was with eight and a half minutes to go in the, or wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was with uh, one minute to go in the third quarter. Iowa did not gain a single first down until about 30 seconds left in the game. They just, it was nothing. It, it was three, yeah, three it and was out a, punt every time. It was a nothing burger. It was just a complete nothing burger. And I don't know. If you're an Iowa fan, look, I get that, like, you exceeded expectations this year. Um, and, and we thought that Iowa was going to be a good team, but I don't think we thought that they would be, you know, a top 15 no, team. We, we, we both had Wisconsin as winning the Big Ten West. I mean, we didn't we didn't have Iowa winning that, which made but, sense. We had, we had Wisconsin-Ohio State, which is a pretty safe pick. But at some point, you've got to figure out if you're Kirk Ferentz, you can't just – be content with 10 win seasons where you have zero offense. Like I, I, I get that this is like a good season for Iowa uh, and, and one that they should be proud of, but, but the way the offense looked this year, if you ever want to take the next step, if you ever want to be able to capitalize on one of these types of years where you've got a great defense um, and you've got a schedule that works out for you, you get some uh, you get some luck in a big game like Penn State gives you a signature win. You've got to be able to capitalize on those types of situations. Um, and, and I think just personally a disappointing uh, end of the season for Iowa overall. Oh, yeah. Even though it was a great season, um, just disappointing for them to really come out and show zero uh, signs of life in this game whatsoever. Uh, I was actually the only team in championship weekend to fail to score double digit points. The next lowest score was uh, actually a few. One had 13, 16, a couple teams had 16. So not a lot, but we can move on to the AAC championship because you know what? We're going to include them in our power five conversation because we finally, we finally have a beautiful moment that we've been waiting for since really 2017, not even 2014. But we have a G5 team in the playoffs. It's official. It's done. Finally, it happened. And, yes, they did have to go 13-0. and They did have to win out and win out convincingly in pretty much every game. Not every game, but pretty much every game. And Cincinnati defeated Houston 35-20 in the American Conference Championship. Um, admittedly, a uh, pretty impressive showing from Houston. They didn't just roll over and die. They actually did play a pretty decent game here, uh, which was expected. Houston is a pretty good team. Um, but in the American Conference, the best record hosts – so this game was at Cincinnati, which obviously helped. But, yeah, Desmond Ritter was fantastic. 11 for 14, 190 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Ford was also electric on the ground. Jerome Ford, he had 187 yards and two touchdowns rushing. I know it's not a huge rushing team with Desmond Ritter leading the helm. But, um, it, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the game was actually very tight at halftime. It was 14-13 uh, since the up by one. 
but then a 21 to nothing third quarter kind of put the game away. Um, a late touchdown by Houston made it a little closer. So, uh, yeah, Houston showed up big, at least in the first half, but whimpered away. But Houston's still 11-2. They still played a great season. Uh, they still did a very good job this year, so shout out to Houston. I know they got in a pretty decent bowl game. I'm not entirely sure what they're playing. If you have it up, I'm trying to find it. But um, I would be shocked if they didn't have at least a – yeah, okay, they're playing – oh, well, never mind. Sorry. Uh, they're playing in the Birmingham Bowl. So, nope, never mind. Uh, Houston got shafted. Uh, they'll be playing 6-6 six and six Auburn. Uh, so, there's that. So, they get to play <laughs> at Auburn. Basically, so that's your reward for for going yeah. eleven and two in you a season. You get to play forty minutes away from Auburn in the Burning. Well, I mean, if you lose to a six and six, I think it was six and six Texas Tech to open the season. I think it's deserving that you have to just stay in the South and, and play Auburn. Yeah, but, that's fair. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all for that game. Um, if you have anything else to add about that, not not too much. It was a pretty clean win for Cincy. Yeah. Uh, next up is the Big 12 championship, and oh my god, oh my god, I was <laughs> to have some background on this game because this game the most absolutely... exciting championship game of the day by far, by far, by far, and this game was basically I think I think this was pretty much the only game that actually went down to the final quarter. Really, um, yeah, every other game was either a blowout or was pretty much done. So yeah, this was pretty much the only game that went down to the fourth quarter, and it went down to the last play, and. I know we both have said that Spencer Sanders is not a good quarterback and cannot accomplish big things as their quarterback here. But my God, can Spencer Sanders not accomplish anything? This game was absurd. Now, I had Oklahoma State winning this game. I was wrong, but I was only a play away from being wrong, too. I mean, this game was absolutely insane. Baylor wins it 21-16, and Oklahoma State shockingly gets seven attempts at the red zone on two different drives and musters three, I think it was three points. So I think they got it. Yeah. The three points total one field goal. And the second attempt, it was, I think it was third down or fourth down and Baylor had a pass interference. So it was first and goal at the two first play run up the middle stuffed second and goal. Second and goal was a run up the middle stuffed, but almost scores it was actually really close to scoring. Cause he reached over the top of the, of the hill. Didn't get there. Third and goal. It's a, Trying to go to the back of the end zone. It's not there. Passes way too high by Sanders. Terrible pass, but Baylor covered it well anyway. Then it's fourth and goal, and it's a handoff to the left side, and the running back goes all the way down and dives a little too early, stretches out to the pylon, and gets about 90% of the way there, but falls short. It was almost like the Michael Penix touchdown from last year, but just not good. Um so, yeah, I think this game proved a bunch of things. It proved that neither of these teams are really all that great because I don't think Baylor looked very good a lot of the game either. They tried to lose a lot of this game. It proved Oklahoma State does not deserve their top five spot by any stretch of the means. And I, I, this this game was insane. This game was absolutely wild. It was It was the most exciting game of the day, but it was also one of the most, like, what in the world are they doing games of the day. Um, Oklahoma yes. State had four turnovers, all of which were Sanders' interceptions, which, I mean, dear God. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State, if you play this game again ten times, Oklahoma State wins the majority of the times they play. Spencer Sanders was absolutely terrible. If he played a half-competent game, Oklahoma State would have won. It, this this was absurd. Uh, congrats to Baylor for winning. Obviously, we both personally don't want Baylor to win, but I will give them congrats for winning this game. I'm they still had a very good not season. not even going to lie. I bet on Baylor yesterday. First thing in the morning. 
I said they are not that Oklahoma State should not be favored by seven over Baylor. Well, that's that was ridiculous. Title. But yeah, if you look over the um, I'm actually gonna pull share the screen of this just to show how insanely close this was because this was, I, I really I really can't exaggerate how close it was for Oklahoma State losing this game. But it's up on the screen right now, so we can look on it through here. But um. So here's the the fourth down conversion. I guess it's not going to load for me. Um, so that was the third and three. That was incomplete, but they called pass interference with 127, which basically at that point I was like, all right, Oklahoma right. State's got this. Because before that would have been fourth and three. That would have been obviously really hard. Almost caught it anyway. Can we start a Twitter petition to uh, stop bad quarterbacks throwing goal line fades? Yeah, that was just painful. You should um, have to like pat. You should have to have a license to throw a goal line. Look, look how close this was. It'll show it again coming up. Look how close this was. Because I thought he got it when he first started running. I thought he had it, and I didn't realize how bad the angle was. I don't know why it's taking so long, but it'll. it'll, Oh, there you go. There you go. So wait, 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 back, back up, back up, back up. I need to see that one more time. Did the Baylor fan just throw the the frog? Did I see a Baylor fan throwing the frog? Where? Maybe not. Which, which I don't one? Know. Maybe I'm seeing things. No, I didn't see it. No, but look so. how tight this was. He's still up, 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 and he's still up. If the pylon was. Four inches closer, that would have been a touchdown. He's still up right now, and then he falls, and he's short. Like, that is – oh, my well, God. That that's is a great segue, Jack. I really, truly – it's been segue. a while. That's that's tough to see that guy close. Ugh. Well, we can actually – we can move in uh, to our next game, and that is the ACC Championship, which, first of all, how about Clemson not making it this year? Wonderful to see. We love to see it. Just want to put that out of the way. Shout out Clemson for not showing up to this game. And shout out number 12 Pitt. I was Which telling you, Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh is a pretty good team. When they, they deserve put up, some respect. When they put up 60 on Tennessee, I was like, there's no way. Like, our, our program is dead. There's no way you should ever give up that many points to Pitt. And then we see Kenny Pickett out here throwing around fake slides. That was nuts. <laughs> that was that fake of, slide was crazy. That <laughs> fake slide was uh, not to go full skater, bro, but that was like the steeziest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was so smooth. <laughs> full slater, bro. It's got to be on here. Oh, also, um, uh, Pickett set the ACC record for most passing touchdowns at 42 this season. He should be getting an invite to New York. Pickett really was great. Do they not have – I'm trying to see. Do they not have to play? COVID senior, too. Uh, he was a I super mean, senior. On here. But, um, yeah, this was pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Wake Forest had two turnovers, back-to-back drives in the fourth quarter, which gave Pittsburgh back-to-back touchdowns. So, yes, Oklahoma State, that's how you score at the goal line. Watch Pitt. But, yeah, 45-21 was your final here. I don't want to pile on the school nerd, you know, after they've just won, like, stayed in something. But, or, you know, 
after school nerd had a great season, um, but they kind of put Wake back in their place. I mean, there was talk about Dave Blossom getting other job offers, and I, I really don't think Wake's program was there. I think they had a great year, and much like Iowa, a lot of things went right for them at the right time. Uh, but but ultimately, they, they, how they were how they ended up at the end of the year was kind of what we thought Wake was all along. I think. Well, yeah, no, I, I do, I do agree with that. I think it's very interesting to see how, um, how these teams are sort of phasing out. And again, I, I told you too that um, one of the most interesting things about uh, both these teams is that I was able to see both. I saw both these teams that, and they played uh, Syracuse. Um, I got to photograph both these teams, both Sam Hartman and Kenny Pickett, and. Yeah, Wake Forest really struggled against Syracuse, and, and they ended up winning in overtime. But it was a really tight, close game. Pittsburgh had absolutely no trouble at all. And I get, again, Syracuse being a 5-7 and seven team, it's not like the greatest bar for effort to see which team is better. But at, at least being able to watch these teams live, I, I did pretty confidently pick Pittsburgh in this game, and we ended up being right. Um, if you want to talk about a wild stat here, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm actually going to look back and look at the history of the AC championship game because I need to make sure I actually have the statistic right. But, um, oh, wow. Uh, actually, that's not true. But um, the last time that an ACC Coastal team had won the championship for the ACC, 2010, Virginia Tech. Yeah, you had another Florida Tech State. in there. Well, because I forgot they won 2010 because 20, 2009, Georgia Tech beat Clemson, which was vacated, but I don't care. It counts in my book, so that game's going to stay there. Uh, and then uh, that was C.J. Spiller of Clemson winning the MVP of that game, and then uh, Tyrod Taylor with for, with uh, Virginia Tech winning the next season. Um, then uh, looking further, it was then Clemson, FSU, 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 Clemson, 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 Clemson. <laughs> And uh, then it was Clemson again last year, which was technically without divisions. So that one was just sort of Clemson wins, right? Oh, how, and, many, um, how many years has it been since someone not named OU won the Big 12? Was it 2013? I think it's 2013. Yeah. It would have it had to be. In one oh, one. no. I know. I'm, I'm stupid. 2014 was, was TCU and Baylor yeah. split. It was Sorry, one of those Baylor TCU years, but they probably won it in 2015. I'd guess. Yeah, the 2020 um yeah, the 2012 Big uh Big 12 championship was well they didn't have one, but it was it was Baylor TCU. And then 2015 was in the beginning of the Oklahoma reign. Um yeah. and then so, 2016 so was, was only OU, seven, 2017 was actually it was only yeah. what six years, six straight for Oklahoma. Yeah, so boohoo that you're not here now. Cry yeah. about it. Um, but we should probably move on. I, I know you want to highlight some of these other games. Uh, so if we want to read through those real quick, uh, we do want to get to the Agony Olympics. Yes, I'll, I'll get – I'll, I'll do, I'll do wanna, these games. Um, we want to talk about all of, the, all of the things that sucked this past week. Yes, I will, I will go through these games real quick. Uh, MAC Championship, Northern Illinois, uh, former – uh, conquerors of Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Sadly, uh, they actually win the MAC title over Kent State. Kent State oh, went seven Taylor and five. Taylor Heineke so, just threw a terrible interception. Sorry to interrupt. That was bad. That was <laughs> good. A I know. I know we have coverage. Um, 
That's good. Uh, yeah, so Kent State was absolutely useless this year, yet they somehow made the MAC championship. Uh, the Huskies win their sixth MAC title in the last 11 years and their first since 2018. Mind you, Northern Illinois went 0 6 last year. They were horrible last season, yet they turned around and win the MAC. So, congrats to them. Uh, next up, we have the Sun Belt Championship, which was a well, would have been really fun last season, but was canceled. It was Louisiana, Coastal Carolina. But this year, Louisiana felt like they wanted to earn theirs outright, and oh boy, they did. A 24-16 Raging Cajuns win the Sun Belt, finished 12-1. and I have no idea why I picked Appalachian State in this game. I totally forgot that Louisiana was a much better team. That was a shout big out, goof by me. Shout out to the – well, Appalachian State was actually favored in this game. I still would have picked uh, yeah. Louisiana. I, 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 I should have. I, I, well, I think the reason I think the reason Louisiana uh, was an underdog in the first place was because Billy Napier left for Florida, but I don't think he took much of his staff with him. Uh, no, so it, they were they were the better team. His OC his OC is going to be the coach there uh, now. So, um, you know, they they stayed the course uh, even though Billy Napier wasn't there. The team was there. They were the better team. In that game. Yeah. And I bet on them for a reason. There you go. Next up, we have the Mountain West Championship, which is honestly probably one of the most surprising results of, of this weekend. Uh, San Diego State gets absolutely punished in this game. They lost 46 to 13. And I'm just saying, like, I don't think Oregon losing was that shocking. Obviously, Michigan was favored to win. Bama winning wasn't crazy. But it's pretty wild to see San Diego State, who had a really good season, get absolutely shellacked by Utah State that nobody really gave a chance in this game. So got to give the Aggies some credit here for really coming out and winning a really impressive game. So yeah, good for you there. Absolutely. Um, and lastly, we have the Conference USA Championship, which actually was actually ironically the first championship played out of all these we've talked about today. And UTSA wins it. They uh, Their magical season continues. I know, of course, they don't go undefeated. But they do end up winning this game 49-41 to beat Western Kentucky. They actually beat the Hilltoppers back in early October. So they got to beat them again here, which I know um, we talk about it's really hard to beat a team twice in a season. Well, Utah did it and uh, UTSA did it. So kind of interesting to see it happen multiple times. But, yes, congratulations to the Conference USA champs, UTSA, for pulling out a big win. And next up and last up, we have the Agony olympics which is always so much fun to cover we love talking about it we love diving into it but let's start it off with you Noah. who do you have for your bronze medal winner here anyone who willingly and voluntarily watched usc versus cal last night which was the, the tiebreaker day the tiebreaker <laughs> game <laughs> it was a tiebreaker makeup game yeah so we actually tied if for anyone who didn't watch other episodes or see stuff we actually tied in our college football picks we always pick 11 every week which are top games in our teams 82 and 50 we both went tied whole season we picked a lot of games differently it wasn't on purpose we don't we don't want to be tied and then we picked our conference championship games and we were still tied six and four and six and four so we had to get an 11th game in because there are only 10 conferences and we had usc versus cal a makeup game a few weeks ago and i had the golden bears you had the trojans and cal came through for your boy and we got the win. Hey, we got a lot. Hey, we got bowl games. I know until, we got bowl games. Does not matter <laughs> until we get to the playoffs, buddy. We gotta get. We gotta get to the postseason. Uh, we'll, Those we'll are separate re- records, though. Those we're, are postseason regroup. Separate. We'll have a bowl, bowl record. <laughs> um, we're we're gonna reconsider a few things. Do a little more research. Uh, of course, of course. We're gonna get it right this time. Uh, we're gonna write the ship here in uh, here in the postseason. 
my my bronze medal winner is Oregon being forever owned by Utah this season. Um, that was pretty pathetic to come out, and you have a perfect opportunity for a revenge game. You get a neutral site game. You don't have to go to Utah again. You have your chance to be big, and they fell flat pretty much almost equally as hard as the first game. So Oregon – I, Oregon could honestly even go higher than this, but this is really bad from Oregon to really come out and should have been a big winner this week, but failed pretty spectacularly. Oh, 100%. Uh, we're actually going to have the same silver medal, but it's Spencer Sanders. <laughs> I mean, we've been saying this is... God, we, he's so bad. <laughs> if you if you watch or listen to this podcast, you know that we are Big 12 people. We, we have been deeply... Uh, involved and uh, paying attention to the Big 12 for the past four, now five years. And none of those years did I ever think Spencer Sanders was a good quarterback who could lead zero of those zero years, of those years <laughs> uh, which I think is how long he's been around, actually. Uh, maybe he's not been the there starter, a long time. He's Too been long. around for a really long time. Um I know we neither of us ever had any confidence that he was going to get it done. Uh, so watching him throw uh, four interceptions with a playoff spot on the line was um, a little bit of serendipity for us. Yeah. I had that. I had the shoehorned in the incompetency of Oklahoma State, which is all all the same. Uh, and finally, give me your gold medal winner, Stetson Bennett, <laughs> because. Oh God. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 proud that like, you know, former walk-on, uh, not not highly recruited. He's a hometown kid, obviously, because his name is Stetson Bennett the Fourth. <laughs> the fourth is the best part. <laughs> but <laughs> oh god. I can't wait to go to uh Stetson Bennett's franchises of uh his one of his 12 Zaxby's franchises all across the South uh, in about 10 years um, after he gets uh, done trying to make a comeback as uh, the backup in the XFL uh, doesn't work out for him, opens up uh, five new Zaxby's uh, within the greater uh, Atlanta and uh, area and expanding to some more rural areas of, uh, of, of Georgia and, um, Stetson Bennett just it, it when you turn on a team that has uh killed everyone all season long you don't expect to see what you saw from Stetson Bennett the other yeah. night. it was I it think was sad fair to say I mean also great but sad um yeah pretty pretty sad performance great for you uh, yo, yes, personally, I was having a field day, but um, my my other loser here is goes along with yours. Well, isn't exactly the same. Mine is just Kirby Smart against Alabama. Ever since he left there, he cannot beat them. I know I've hammered that a lot, but it is really funny how many times he's lost to Alabama when basically every time he's played them has had a major thing at stake. I mean, we know one of those games of regular season, but this game we obviously talked about the 2018 championship. He's never done it. It's he the can't only do thing it. standing between Kirby Smart and likely multiple national championships, definitely multiple shots at a national championship, and it would have already had one national yeah. championship. That's no, that, that that was the third part of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, explanation. The, tw- but, the 2018. Yeah, yeah, definitely a shot at 
a national championship. He it, it, Alabama has stood between them and like multiple shots at a national championship, considering the SEC championship every year. And now once again, I mean, Alabama's got a game against Cincinnati. I know we're going to break that one down. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to pick the Bearcats here, except for some brave souls. With I don't them. think it's a 100% lock, though. I mean, I wouldn't pick Cincinnati, but like, I don't want to act like it's like a nothing. Easy no, game. that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. But, God, I mean, I'm not gonna pick. Are you? Are you gonna pick Cincinnati? Well, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're not. No, no. And then, I mean, I'm not can... like I. I like to be bold, but I'm also What's... not like high. <laughs> like that's a little. I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Michigan's gonna beat Georgia, or that Michigan's gonna lose to Georgia. No, because I know George is mad about that, but like Michigan has been, uh, it's, I really didn't believe in Michigan being legit for a very long time. Well, because again, when your schedule, when your schedule starts out of Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, and then even Wisconsin, which we never really believed in Nebraska, Northwest. I mean, and then you lose to Michigan state. I mean, all those games really tell you like, yeah, you're a good team, but you're not a great team. And then you have, Indiana, I agree, but they, not a good Penn State team. A bad, they, but then you won these last two games that you had to win. I mean, they, they had to are win. the type of team that can take Georgia down to the wire because of their defense, and we saw what they did to C.J. Stroud when C.J. Stroud was rushed, uh, and C.J. Stroud was probably the Heisman favorite before uh, before last week's round of games. After that, and he's, Michigan a, and he's game. a lot better, and he's a lot better. Than Stetson exactly. So oh, he's if better. Georgia, if Georgia's protection looks anything like it did yesterday against Will Anderson, that's going to be a struggle to move the ball, and it's going to end up being a lower scoring game, which I think Michigan can win. And Michigan um, has a million tools they can use on that offense too. When we and we talk about that today too, they have a million tools. They but, um, and and I. I meant to mention this about Michigan earlier, just looking ahead to that game. This is the last thing I'll say. Um, Michigan, there's a common sentiment in football now that you have to throw the ball all the time. It's the Kansas City Chiefs phenomenon, that you have to throw the ball all the time uh, in order to be the most efficient offense possible. That's true to a certain extent. You have to throw the ball efficiently. But if you can run the ball for 200 yards on a team, if you can run the ball for 150 yards on the team, if you can get creative in the run game, find creative ways to block, it's this is the other side of football that's coming in. Uh, and it's really come in the last two years. With Kyle Shanahan's 49ers, with Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, with the Baltimore Ravens utilizing Lamar Jackson in that run game, um, it's coming into effect with Jonathan Taylor. If you can have an effective run game and a quarterback that, and I think all of those uh, NFL teams have extremely effective running games, obviously. I think Michigan honestly has probably a more effective running game um, against good defenses, at least, than Georgia. 
So it, there's a new phenomenon happening in football that Michigan is taking full advantage of. And I don't think it's a coincidence uh, that John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh um, coach two of the best run, running teams in their respective leagues. Um, there is a really big emphasis now on getting creative and finding creative ways to run the ball, getting defenders moving to different sides of the field, incorporating wide receiver handoffs, uh, incorporating quarterback runs. Obviously, Michigan uses J.J. McCarthy in that matter, in that manner. Um, I think it's it's a really interesting phenomenon to watch in college football. And yet, much like the NFL uh, last year, you saw all these teams having so much efficiency running the ball. And, well, and in San Francisco as well. You saw so many teams having efficiency running the ball. But who ended up on top? The Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who aired it out. And who's up on top right now? Alabama. And they're good on the ground. Brian Robinson is a great running back. But they aired it out. They are not afraid to throw the ball, and they do it better than anyone in the country uh, not named Ohio State. So I think that is the thing to watch in the playoffs is all of these teams run fairly balanced offenses. Uh, Michigan's a little bit more run heavy. Georgia's a little bit more run heavy. Alabama's a little more pass happy. And Cincinnati is a great balanced offense. I think that is really the thing to watch in the playoffs uh, is, is these different brands and styles of offense and how they match up against these defenses. I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I haven't been this excited for the college football playoff in years. Um, even though my prediction, uh, was correct about getting two SEC teams in, it's nice to have a little bit of new blood. It is. I I'm excited for that too. We'll have a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to the blanket coverage podcast. Make sure you check us out this week. We're going to have a big bull preview, uh, as we always do. It's our bull preview extravaganza and it is always a ton of fun. I think we're going to try to get some guests for that as well. Uh, Do it big, do it right. Um, And then we are going to be transitioning into more of an NFL podcast um, on on a daily basis. At least I know we've been slacking on the NFL, but we will have a big NFL catch up session. Where are we? Uh, How can we follow going into the playoffs but once again Mm -hmm. thank you so much for listening i'm noah parker and i'm jack wallace peace Peace out out, joe